Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And I'm Chris. And we're the Film Flamers. Back after an unexpected hiatus of one week. That's right, we got to experience the poor Texas infrastructure. Yeah, that's right. Um, we in Texas, as you've probably seen on the news, um, had some sort of like snowmageddon going on. And um, apparently, if we have sustained winter weather for more than a day, the entire state just can't do it. No, <laughs> can't do it. Shuts down. Ted Cruz flies away. Yep, Ted Cruz goes to Cancun. We all suffer in darkness and cold, working 20-hour shifts and the like. Yeah, Ted Cruz is is Texas Horcrux and had to be sent away for safety. <laughs> he really is a fucking asshole, though. I mean, like, have you seen his social media about all the damage control that he's done afterward? Yes. It's like him putting, you know, cases of water into the back of people's cars and, like, inappropriately using a knife cooking outdoors for people. I was just like, look at those fucking knife skills. It's ridiculous how he's chopping those vegetables. It's just so transparent, just like it was back in the day, like four years ago, when he got on the calls or whatever, the stupid phone lines for Trump, right after saying Trump was a sociopath. Mm -hmm. And Trump saying that his wife was ugly or something. Yeah. Yeah. But like everything else, I'm enjoying the Ted Cruz memes where it's just like some sort of like photoshopped braids on his head and like refuses to admit he'd been to Cancun or something like that. Did you see the pinata they're making at a local like party store? Like in, I think it's in Dallas or somewhere <gasps> in Texas. They actually made a pinata of like Ted Cruz with like a with a suitcase <sighs> and his hat and everything. So we can beat the shit out of Ted Cruz? Is that Yes. Okay, well, I know what we're doing for our next party. Cinco de Mayo's just around the corner. <laughs> I don't know. I just moved here from Boston, you know, to try and get away from the winter. Mayhaps uh, a nice mild winter to, you know, pass the time with. And no, we got the ice mageddon. And, you know, I'm looking longingly at Boston, who has a, you know, a working infrastructure that's not a third world country. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I mean, I'm still happier that you're in Texas. I just wish that... <laughs> The winter wasn't so bad when you got here. So, <laughs> just the one day. Yeah. Oh my God, we had one one shitty ass week. The terrible weather. And the thing is, yeah. this happens like what, like once every five years or so in Texas. So I think we're good for now. But yeah, yeah. There was one in 2011 that was really really bad, and then like two years before that, there was really really bad where we we're like. You know, it was just like hard packed ice. It was just like a foot of ice. And that was it. <laughs> and that was, I feel like those were way worse than this one. But what do I know? So, yeah, I mean, we were both without Ted, power. Ted Cruz wasn't senator back then. Was he not? I don't think so. I don't know. I, I hate the man, though. It's just a further cements. Now that Trump's out of office, I have to find a new like arch enemy to like make sure we don't vote back in. And I guess it's going to be Ted Cruz. So, mm hmm. Although I kind of was all along. But anyway, we are here to shoot the flames, which is our monthly chat show where we talk about upcoming horror movies we know in the trailers, some news, and more importantly, reviews, comments, and questions from our listeners. That's right. And uh, this month is extra special because we finally got a review. Ah! Before. So, like, the last one was September of 2020, and here we are in March. I mean, we actually got this one in February, but yeah, we finally got a review, like, six months later. That's right. And it's from Freak2679, and it reads, Love this podcast. If you love horror movies, you must check out the Film Flamers podcast. Robert and Chris are great, funny, and very entertaining. Great recommendations on what's coming out, rewatching classics for their deep dives, and top 10 lists. They know their shit. Thanks, guys. You keep me entertained every time I listen. Thank you, Freak2679. 
And thank you especially for breaking our uh, drought, our review drought. So That's right. Uh, we got a lot of comments, too, from our episodes, and we're going to start uh, from our episode, which was the deep dive into Ghost. And Kimberly over on Patreon says, Paul Hogan, he was a pretty terrible actor even back in the 80s, and he looked like the Crypt Keeper. Loved this episode. And of course, that was in reference to Crocodile Dundee himself almost being cast in the in the main role here that Patrick Swayze eventually took. Yeah, out of that entire list that you read, I mean, I remember like Paul Hogan. I mean, like I mean, the look on my face when we were recording, I was just like, "Oh God!" <laughs> it makes zero sense. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto on the Bobby. I don't know. <laughs> We got another comment, and that was from Matt from Facebook, and he said, this was a really fun episode. Well, thank you. Sorry thank you, Matt. <laughs> uh, we talked about some comments from our deep dive on Dr. Sleep last month, but we got some more for this one. Erica over on Patreon said, one, my Dan used to be a Danny when he was a kid, so it made sense to me for the character to be Dan. Right. Two, thanks for the McGreghead shout out. Hashtag McGreghead hive. That's a hive now? I guess. He's a whole hive of followers. It was weird enough with McGregor head. Why does it have to be a hive? I don't know. I mean, I wonder if Erica is like some sort of like president of this hive or something. The queen. <laughs> mm, okay. Well, the Dave Mason from Insta said, just finished both The Shining and Dr. Sleep episodes. You guys did both of these films justice. Bravo. Also, the laughs I get every time I listen are such a great plus. Thank you. I like that we make you laugh. It's important to me to be funny. Um, from our Shooting the Flames episode uh, in February, Nicole Ann McDee on Instagram said, I keep begging my horror fan friends to join me on the journey that has been 30 coins on HBO. Would love to hear your takes. It's so much damn fun. I have never heard of this. <clears throat> so this is a Mexican TV series that has been airing on HBO. Okay. It's in Spanish, obviously. And I hear it's just great from like multiple people who've watched it. It's certainly on my list, Nicole. Um, but I think you know from listening to this, it takes me a long time to sit down and watch episodic television. But so is this in reference to like 30 Queens of Silver from Judas from Biblical? I don't know. I I, I do not know. All I know is that it's like just apparently people just love it. I would assume it's the biblical reference, but I have no idea what it's about. Do we, is, it, is it horror? Yeah, it's a horror show. So. Okay, well then that makes sense. It's sort of like a horror telenovela, right? So I think there's like some melodrama and stuff going on, right? Mm. Which I'm down for. And I think she had mentioned this in a comment either on Patreon or somewhere else. And so like this is the second time that she's mentioned it to us. So yes, I it's it's on my list. And I'm pretty sure Chris will probably look up a trailer or something after this. And it might find its way into both of our lists. So stay tuned. Nikki, or at Philly Engineered, said, Wish I could leave y'all a review, but I listen on Stitcher and don't do anything iOS-based. It would be five stars all the way. Well, we appreciate that, Nikki. Uh, you can actually, for all you Windows users, etc., etc., can actually download iTunes and uh, start an account just with your normal email. You know, you don't have to have an iTunes or like an Apple device. You can actually get iTunes on your computer and leave reviews that way. But that's kind of a, a thing, so we don't expect anyone to have to do that. But if anyone was wanting to, that's how they could. But uh, Stitcher is very popular, so um, keep on listening there. That's right. So we rebroadcasted our top 10 episode of creepy love songs for Valentine's Day this month, and we got a whole slew of comments from that. Brandon over on Patreon said, oh my God, I love possession and number one crush. 
beyond excellent choices. Number One Crush is also the perfect theme song for the BBC show Hex, which I highly recommend. Unfortunately, only the first season is on DVD, though. See, I think we like built the whole playlist around that track because we knew Number One Crush had to be number one. Yeah, going into it, we yeah. knew. I mean, like... <laughs> Because it's in the title anyway, but like we both like, yeah. we love that song. So yeah, I had a whole Sarah McLachlan moment when I was younger and it's sort of still going on. Right. But yeah, Possession was a huge song for me when I was, you know, a young teenager. So that's funny. She's sort of still going on. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> she plays in Vegas like once a year for about a yeah. week. So that's my new goal is to see her so in say, Vegas. But yeah, she's sort of still going on. So I am. Um, yeah. I still love her. And at Matthew McHenry said, The film Flamers, I forgot how good the top 10 creepy love songs was. Happy Valentine's Day. And happy Valentine's Day to you. Belated. Yeah. Patrick underscore Slowinski underscore art on Instagram says, Chris and Robert, just got done listening to this really fun episode, Wicked Selections. Keep up the excellence, gents. Yeah, we were a little bit apprehensive of where we always are of doing uh, rebroadcasts, you know, which we've only done once before this, I believe, with our uh, top ten Halloween, but we're we're getting to the point where people, like especially new listeners, aren't going back because we have a huge archive now. Yeah, and so um, you know, it's it's fun to re-release one of some of our better, more fun, more entertaining, funny episodes, especially around the holidays. So I'm glad that we, we got th- not no less than three comments about this. So it's great. And that's good. And I, I hope that, I mean, obviously some people went back and re-listened to the episode, which makes me happy. And um, I really enjoyed preparing for that episode, recording that episode and listening to it. Um, and I'd like to do another one, sort of revisit the creepy love yeah. songs. So if you guys think that's a good idea, reach out to us on social media and let us know. And we'll start prepping that maybe for next February. Yep, he's been threatening to do that for two years. So. That's right. I have been threatening since we recorded that episode <laughs> to make it do it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we made the Spotify playlist, and that's there. That's that's evergreen. So if anyone ever wants to go listen to all the creepy love songs, more than just ten or twenty, you know, there's a good like sixty, I think, in there at least yeah. or something. It's a lot. And um, yeah, there's a lot of songs in there. So check out that Spotify playlist in the show notes of that episode. From our Flamers flashback into Children of the Corn, or Kids on the Cob, as we like to say, <laughs> Brandon from Patreon said, Outlander! I really enjoyed this film when I was younger. I think I was exposed to Stephen King movies before I really should have. However, this one really was pretty mild. I think that's why it appealed to me so much. However, a rewatch as an adult pulls the curtain back to reveal just how awful the movie really is. Uh-uh. Sometimes even nostalgia can't remedy things when they really are just garbage. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting to not like that movie as much as I did in this watch. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we hate to like be like a wet Grinch salad or whatever the fuck it is. But uh, when we released episodes, but that's how it ended up. Neither of us enjoyed that movie when we rewatched it. However, I do like it when people say Outlander now. I mean, because I, I did that on social media a couple times. Oh, yeah. Outlander! So, I mean, like, if there's one oh, takeaway from yeah. Kids on the Cob. <laughs> oh, definitely. It's it's a fun movie to parody, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, if you guys also, you know, watch Children of the Corn, or if you're not a Patreon member, um, head over there at patreon.com slash thefilmflamers. You can find that bonus episode where we flash back to that movie, and there's a whole conversation about it. Finally, from our deep dive on The Shining, we got another comment, and this is from Rosie Red Leader 27 on Instagram. 
She says, thank you for giving us such an in-depth look at the film book comparisons. This is a random comment, but in answer to your question about the purpose behind the scene with the two gay men in the hotel room, I do believe it was mentioned briefly in the book during flashbacks to a previous ball held at the Overlook. I agree that it's an outdated scene, and I agree that it scares the crap out of me every time I've watched the film, but... I believe it did first appear in the book. You know, I don't know that it's an outdated. I just, I think it's presenting as it's supposed to be this shocking, scary thing. And it's, I don't know. It's just two guys standing there. I mean, it scares me, right? I mean, I think it's just that, that the randomness pup- of it. Yeah. That puppy costume when she's just running around the hotel. I mean, yeah, it did, it did scare me. It does scare me right as an adult. And after she commented this, I had some sort of recovered memory and I think that she is correct. I think that they do mention gay characters in these flashbacks. I don't think they mentioned that costume at all. I think that was a Kubrick yeah. thing, but um, yeah, there, there was some like mentions of homosexuality in the novel. So okay. we also got some questions or at least one, <laughs> just the one. <laughs> And this one is from Fembot18 from Instagram. Love that name. Yep. Love listening to you guys. Have you done a deep dive on Hannibal, the TV show yet? I know you're a fan. And after binging all three seasons, I am too. Love, love, love Mads Mikkelsen. He is Hannibal to me now. Didn't think that was going to happen. So uh, I agree. I've talked about Hannibal several times, especially when we were talking, I think, at the very beginning of the podcast when um, we were talking a little bit about American 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 Gods. Gods. Yeah, because a lot of the people that worked on Hannibal show went on to work on American Gods. Right. And so we were talking a little bit about that. And I think every time we've listened, we've, you know, mentioned, you know, Silence of the Lambs, it's certainly in our deep dive of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe even when we talked about a little about Clarice, um, we mentioned it. But of course, uh, I really loved Hannibal. I thought it was a great TV show. I thought it did a lot of justice. And I love Julian Anderson as well as Mads Mikkelsen, who was in that. And um, I can't say enough good things about it. And I, I really wish they had continued it or at least made that same team uh, to do Clarice. And I've, I've heard fairly good things about Clarice so far, but I've also heard some bad things. So Yeah, it's been pretty mixed of what I've seen online, at least for it. I haven't started watching it yet. And I've only seen the first season of Hannibal. So, and I, I liked it. Yeah. It's better and better. Yeah. I liked it a lot. And this is something that I need to continue watching. And I know that we don't always do like deep dives per se into like episodic television. We've done hot takes before on both seasons of the haunting of right from Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's unheard of, right? I think if we were going to do something of a deep dive on like TV, it would probably be a Patreon thing, I would imagine. Yeah, I, th- I would. I would assume that we would put that over on Patreon for you. So, but it's not completely out of the question. So yeah. if we uh, decide we're going to do something like that, we'll certainly let you know. Yeah, we're just waiting on Robert. <laughs> Always. <laughs> has the has the boys season two coming along? By the way, haven't started it yet. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but I did watch Willy's Wonderland, so everyone can rest easy. <laughs> it's okay. I have some karmic violence coming my way because I've been bugging you about all these things, and Matt has been wanting me for years to see The Wire, and I'm finally getting to the end of all the lists of things. We have like precious few episodes of Dark left before I have to start watching The Wire for Matt. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen The Wire either, so you'll have to tell me how that is. Didn't you start The Crown recently, too? Yes, I did. But that's a me show. That's something I do when Matt's not around. I see. Okay. That's, so. that's a that's a me ordering some pizza and drinking a bottle of wine <laughs> and just watching a nice British drama. <laughs> you do it so well. You do a bottle of wine. I swear to God, I've been watching The Crown with like a beer and a 
like bullet case though. Well, how very dare you? <laughs> Shit. Uh, we also got a new patron this month because you know we didn't have any for the last couple months, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, Lisa Libby has joined the family over on Patreon, and she also has joined at the Film Flamer or higher tier. So she, we're going to read her name every month along with these people. And those people are Ben, Amber, Penelope, and of course, Lisa Libby. So thank you all very, very much for your support. Your continued support helps us keep the lights on and keeps us going in the dark, lonely, bitter, cold nights. In Texas. (laughs) Horror News. So, as reported on Bloody Disgusting, and we'll link all of these news items in our show notes, for real this time, an actual Cloverfield sequel is now in the works. So, one could say that we've had two, in 10 Cloverfield Lane and then Cloverfield Paradox, but I think the the behind-the-scenes kind of known-but-not-known narrative there is, you know that those were kind of filmed and then rebranded yeah. as Cloverfield movies, kind of like, like almost like a twilight zone type of thing. Like this is a studio that's going to put this Cloverfield stamp on it whenever it's weird. And we want it to make a little bit of extra money. And so I really loved the shit out of 10 Cloverfield lane. Me too. I would lo- love to deep dive into it. Oh yes. um, I think there's a lot of, of, you know, meat to chew there, but I think that the paradox one was rather shit on by uh you know Everybody. science fiction and horror fans as well as critics and i have not seen it but if they're doing an actual planned sequel and not just like rubber stamping it cloverfield um you know i'm i'm cool with that i guess uh i'd love to see clover again i loved cloverfield i thought it was good i mean like found footage movies i mean i say i don't like that subgenre but i usually end up do liking it you know, and then, but I, I really thought Cloverfield was a good movie. And 10 Cloverfield Lane was an even better movie. Like, just so, so good. I too have not seen Paradox, but I know that. So, like, they, in this article, they also talk about how, like, um, Overlord and Underwater are sort of like in the same Cloverfield universe because in the Paradox, they say something like there was some sort of like time space continuum rift and all these animals or creatures got thrown into different time periods and different settings and shit like that. So the entire franchise is loosey goosey. So, so it's supposed to be kind of like Half Life or something from yeah. Valve, the game. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I think the first one was actually directed by J.J. Abrams, like one of his first like feature films, right? I think he just produced it. I, the, somebody else directed the movie, but okay, because I know that Michael Giacchino actually did the score. And while uh-huh. this film actually does not have a score, and is one of the best monster movie scores, but it only plays during the credits, the end credits. <laughs> and so that's a good song, though. I love that track. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, though. I'd like to see it. And you're right. I would love to deep dive into 10 Cloverfield Lane. We need to really find a place for that on the docket, for sure. So A24 um, is making a horror movie called The Eternal Daughter with Tilda Swinton. So uh, I put this on there because uh, you like Tilda Swinton and you have made me a convert. And this movie was sort of like filmed during the pandemic, right? Safely. Mm-hmm. And they're just about ready to release it. And it, I mean, like, it sounds compelling and good. So. Okay. Essentially, um, Tilda Swinton is sort of heir to this old manor, which has become a hotel in recent years and is sort of brimming with mystery. Well, there's a lot of things working for this, right? So A24 is behind it. You know, obviously Tilda Swinton's in it. Let's see the the lauded, uh, you know, Sundance movie, The Souvenir and upcoming Souvenir Part 2 by Joanna Hogg is, is behind it as the director. You also have Martin Scorsese as an executive producer. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things working for this. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, and really these years when A24 releases a horror movie, I tend to just like love it no matter what, right? They just, yeah. They're making really good movies. I recently watched St. Maud, you know, and it was very, very good. I mean, like they just, and The Witch came out all those years ago and sort of started this A24 boom. And yeah, I'm, I'm just down. Whenever they release a horror movie, I'm ready for it. Yeah. So, and now that I'm a new Tilda Swinton fan, I'm ready for this one even more. There you go. Finally on the news, and um, sadly, we have to report that Oscar-winning young Frankenstein actress Cloris Leachman has passed away. Well, and of course, she is a veteran uh, comedian, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in her own right, outside of that movie, but um, definitely someone that will be missed. Very much. And uh, right after that news hit, I was like, I I felt like I needed to watch Young Frankenstein, right? Because I have never seen it. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to wait either to watch it with you or for the podcast. But um, I love Cloris Leachman. She makes me laugh, you know, Mm -hmm. no matter what she's in. And she will be greatly, greatly missed. I hear that she was like life of the party at any Hollywood function. So... (laughs) Coming soon. Well, the floodgates have released because right. we had a kind of a dearth in January. It kind of let go a little bit in February, but we, we definitely got flooded with a bunch of trailers, uh, including finally the new Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I was looking forward for this trailer to be released because I... <laughs> I don't. I mean, I I didn't really play the games when I was younger, but I knew that this movie is being produced by James Wan, and I wanted to see like exactly what kind of stamp he would put on it. And it seems like we're not going to be disappointed too much. Yeah, it's it looks a little wacky out there. Like it it actually knows itself, right? It knows what it's trying to do. It's not like a new franchise that's trying to like sell itself. Like the first one kind of had to do. Like Mortal Kombat is a franchise that's been around for like. 20 30 years right so well really 30 30 or more and so um yeah it's uh <laughs> it's, oh my god is it it's, that long yeah oh yeah it was in the mid 90s early 90s when it first came out as a game oh, shit i feel old yeah so it's close to it's close to uh 30 years old and um yeah this looks exactly like the the first game really the premise and everything so I remember playing the first Mortal Kombat, right? And so I, I remember some of the characters from that. But it seems like they've added characters over the years and other iterations of the game. Yeah. Right? So. Or they've changed some or they've combined some for something. Yeah. I know that they've they've added like, you know, there's already too many characters in the, like by the second or third one. And then since then they've added like 60,000 more. So I don't know which, which one of these are, are just replacements or you know, stand-ins or actual characters from later, the later games. But uh, I think the main players are still, you know, Liu Kang and Kano and, you know, Raiden, Sonya Blade or whatever and whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the main hits are still there. I mean, I think it looks good. I mean, I, I, I was going to watch it regardless, but I was expecting to not like it. But based on this trailer, I think I might, right? It seems incredibly violent and I'm super good with that. So yeah. Yeah. This is going to be on HBO Max, like day and date, as it is in the theater. So I'm glad that I have that service and I'll be watching this movie for show. Yeah. Next up on the list of trailers is a movie called Lucky. And uh, this is written by Brea Grant, who also stars in the movie. And I kind of love her. So, um, and this movie sort of like focuses on a woman who realizes that a man comes to her house every day or every night and tries to kill them who live in it, her and her husband. Mm. And it's sort of like this time loop 
not exactly Groundhog Day because it's a different day every day, right? But she's aware of what's happening and what's coming. So, okay. Um, I've actually seen the first like twenty minutes of this movie. Really? Yeah, because the Shutter had this um like festival back in October. Oh yeah, and they showed you like the preview. Well, it was like a secret screening. I could have watched the entire thing, but oh. they started it. They started it so late at like eleven o'clock, and I'm an old lady, and I had to go to bed. <laughs> so I watched the first twenty minutes, and I was like, "This is really good," but it's going to be on Shutter eventually, so I'll watch it then. So I'm super excited to finish this movie. It's, it's the first twenty minutes are excellent. Like it, it looks like a very good movie, and I this woman is becoming a pretty big voice in horror, and I'm happy to see her movies get made and for her to keep acting. She's just delightful. Okay. So. so next up, we've got a trailer kind of out of nowhere, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> from Disney for Cruella. And it just looks like it's not what I expected. It it looks like it's almost like their version of Joker. Yeah. <laughs> and and I feel like a bunch of like kids are going to want to see this and they're going to come back like completely traumatized. I don't know what this thing is rated, but if it's like a watered down version of Joker, then it's still going to be like too adult and too boring for kids and not interesting enough for adults. So it's kind of hitting this weird gray area for me. That's not, you know, provocative enough for me to be interested, you know, and, and not, you know, flighty, weird entertainment fun enough for me to be like entertained in that way. You know what I mean? Wow, I totally didn't expect you to say any of that. I thought that you'd be feeling the same way that I did about this trailer a little bit. Because, again, I didn't know they were making this movie. Oh, I did. I didn't. It came out of nowhere. I didn't know Emma Stone was in it. And I love Emma Stone. And so I watched this trailer and I was just like, what in the actual fuck is this? Like, I can't wait to watch this movie. I'm like... (laughs) So... I think she looks crazy as shit. And I I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think people really talk about Cruella DeVille that much, right? I mean, as far as like Disney villains go, but yeah. she's a mean lady and I want to see what happens. I mean, the thing is, I mean, like, <laughs> when she burns that cloak or whatever in that in that scene in the trailer, that's what I was. So thinking. Hunger Games. So Hunger Games it just kills I'm, me. I'm I'm all about it. I'm like, please, I wanna see this movie like so badly now. <laughs> I, I want Disney to start making darker movies like this. They used to when we were kids, right? I mean, like we would have things like Black Cauldron or whatever that were just really dark yeah, movies. but still dark kids movies. This doesn't seem flighty, weird, you know, fun, kidsy. You know, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's for younger audiences. It seems like it's you know a dark dramedy for adults. And that's fine. I mean, fuck those kids. I mean, Disney can make something for adults, you know? I mean, like, come on. We all yeah. pay for Disney Plus, sometimes for children. I pay well, for hey, Disney Plus for myself, but... Disney has said they're going to make R-rated Deadpool films, so I'm on board for that. Hey, and you know what? Did you read that they released Star or whatever over in the UK already? So they're releasing all these, like, adult Touchstone and Fox movies under their program, their their, their platform. And I'm like, come on, where, why, why not in America? There are tons of movies from my youth that Touchstone made and whatnot that they have access to now that I want to see again. So yeah. bring it, Disney+. Plus. I think more, more single adults are paying for your service than adults with children at this point. So come on. We couldn't possibly know that. I know. I just made all that shit up. (laughs) (laughs) 
Next on the list of trailers is a movie called Come True. And um, I put this one on there because it looks very like creepy from a like visual standpoint. It's all about a woman who is taking part in a sleep study for sleep paralysis. And they're studying her dream state, her REM state. And, um, you know, the scary things from her sleep paralysis are starting to materialize. It looks very 80s oriented, very neon soaked. And I mean, I think that we've enjoyed some movies that are sort of like bathed in neon as of late and just looks like could be a really good scary entry into that yeah. so um, i'm not quite sure when this one comes out but i mean it really does look terrifying from the trailer so check out the show notes all of these trailers are going to be listed there yeah next up we've got old from none other than m night Shyamalan. i finally watched this trailer i know that you told me to watch it like weeks and weeks ago and i think it debuted during the super bowl but i still hadn't but i finally watched it today <laughs> So yeah, so it's kind of a teaser. It's it's less of a trailer, more of a teaser, and it's it's I don't know. I guess the premise is like the, the you know family or families are vacationing on a beach, and it's like the reverse found of youth, right? And so they're all like getting older, and so the kids are becoming adults, and the adults are becoming old, and et cetera, et cetera, and whatever horror is involved there on the sides. I don't know. They kind of did it as more of like a like a dark, a really dark horror twinged comedy. In a way, the way that the teaser is presented. So I have no idea what to expect from this. It just seems like such high concept that it could just utterly fail under its own weight. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I feel like M. Night Shyamalan these days is really hit or miss. Although I think recently it's been more hit. So the the visit, which came out, I don't know, maybe like four or five years ago at this Still point. I haven't seen that. It's pretty good. I mean, for for what it is, he's, he's not trying to have like this huge twist in it. But he's still like Shyamalan through and through in there. And I, I hear really good things about Servant, which is his Apple TV show. I just haven't seen that either. So I think that he's really racking up some like really quality entertainment now. But um, now, it looks he, intriguing. Did he direct this or did he is he just producing it? What, Servant? I think he directed some episodes, but I think he's mostly as a producer. And no, I mean old. A, oh, no, old. He directed. He directed this movie. Yeah. As well as... So. Um, the visitors or whatever it was. The visit, yeah. The visit. Um, it looks good. I mean, it's a neat concept. Yeah. Right. And um, anytime I get to see uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, or you know, he's so pretty all the time. So I'm also, I'll totally watch this. Okay. So next up on the list is uh, PG or Psycho Gorman, which I think is a Shutter exclusive as well. Right. I think you sent me this trailer a couple weeks ago, and it just like made me crack up so much that. It immediately found its way to the top of my movie watch list. Yeah, and it's directed by uh, Stephen uh, Kostansky, who did The Void. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I wasn't I a haven't. huge fan, but it was promising. And also a movie called The Divide and another movie called Father's Day, neither of which I've seen. And um, this is, it looks like it's kind of in the same vein of, as one of the other movies of 2020 that you actually really, really dug, which was the you know Freaky, the body swap. And uh-huh. it seems that like it's kind of that same tone. Right. And it's like, um, I guess they, they come across some sort of demon and, and uh, this little girl or girl basically takes it as, as her pet or as her is the master. It's like a gin, you know what I mean? And so it's like kind of doing things that way. So it's like a, a twist on, you know, the, the horror movie monster thing where they're like weekending at Bernie's the thing and, and making it do what it wants. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, it looks funny. The trailer is certainly entertaining. So 
I have faith. I mean, it really does look like just ridiculous, right? And mm-hmm. like the trailer made me laugh so hard when I was watching it. There were just some moments, like every time, like they would say something to that demon, he would like, "I want, I want to see you bathe in your blood" or whatever. I mean, like it's just funny and ridiculous, and it seems like something that I would love. So yeah, yeah, I need to watch it. I'm not sure when it's going to be released on Shutter. It may already be, for all I know, but is now playing in theaters on demand and on digital. <laughs> and that was in january so you can already find psycho gorman on vod so go go to watch and let us know what you thought about it last up we've got the nevers finally uh it's going to be a show on hbo and this comes from the mind of joss whedon right so this is like his first made-up world in some time right since like dollhouse and before that firefly before the angel of buffy and so unfortunately uh, or fortunately, depending on who you are, Joss Whedon <laughs> was kicked off the project. And so it is now just fully, you know, HBO led and owned and whoever the showrunner is over there, I'm not sure. But Joss Whedon is off doing other things like hopefully thinking about what he has done. That's so, right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know. I hate I hate finding out these things, but anyway, in any case, the Nevers looks like it's a like Victorian era, you know, about women who have supernatural powers, either witches or sorcerers, or by some other means, and they are kind of moving through the world in either a club or you know some kind of group with each other, or they group up, I don't know, and are overcoming obstacles. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> what's the trailer we're not supposed to know everything yet yeah right but the trailer looks really fucking neat like it does like it was well put i i'm not a good you know episodic television watcher you know i've said that before but i mean sometimes i'll see trailers like these and i'm like oh i really want to watch that right and so i i mean i hope that that momentum keeps because it seems like a really interesting show and i had never i had no idea what the fuck this was before you sent me that trailer well i mean i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely check it out like anything that's like period horror i really do love um or i tend to love more and i was very sad to see penny dreadful go and i know we've had some others uh i need to still need to check some of those others out but the larger conversation for me is of course joss whedon right and it's just put a big bad taste in my mouth and they're very they're very smartly took his name off and asked him to go away and they didn't market at him at all as part of this and um you know it's just a little disappointing because i always had held held out hope for like a buffy revival or like an, mm-hmm. an angel revival or some sort of buffy verse revival and now i'm just like how unhappy some of those actors and actresses were working with joss whedon you know and and how kind of universal that seemed to be at least a group of people were, you know, seemingly bullied or harassed very casually and sadistically by Joss Whedon. And um, while he wasn't like a Harvey Weinstein, you know, he, he did kind of, you know, throw his power around like a really shitty, you know, manager. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not pleased. And it makes me want to like go back and rewatch Buffy less now that I know that, you know what I mean? It just like taints the whole thing. Yeah. I, cause I like, I holding out hope that some people will remain good in my mind or my heart. Right. And like pretty much everything that Joss Whedon has done. I, I love, I love Buffy. I like Angel. I really love Firefly. And that seems completely out of my wheelhouse, you know, but, um, 
when I started reading some of these things, these accounts, especially that entire long like statement from Chris McCarpenter, I was just like, good Lord. I mean, he sounds, you know, atrocious. And while we have said before that, I mean, just because one person has done something bad, there's so many different people worked on these shows. Yeah. I assume that Chris McCarpenter wants you to go back and watch Buffy just for her performances or for everyone else's. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. I don't know what kind of career he has moving forward. And it really does taint some of the things that he has done in the past, no matter how much I loved them then or now. Right. So. Yeah. He's got to move on from that. Like the first thing was, I feel like was his wife kind of like Guy Cole kind of coming out and do, pending that letter. And yeah. everyone kind of took that with like a little bit of grain of salt, maybe, um, you know, scorned woman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, saying like, well, he's not the person you think he is and everything else. But, you know, outside of that letter, no one had any like basis in reality for that. Right. There was no, you know, uh, tabloids or anything else about anything she was mentioning. And while some of that may or may not have been happening, according to her letter, we do know that he was not great towards, you know, certain people that he was essentially in charge of as a showrunner or a producer or a director, including male, both male and female actors, not in a sexual way, but in a, just an asshole, you know, an asshole slimy kind of way. And, um, it's really disappointing to hear. And I almost wish I didn't know. I almost wish they'd, they'd hold these things a little bit closer to the chest because it does kind of taint all the things that other actors and designers and directors and, you know, musicians and just everyone, thousands and thousands of people that worked on the, these shows, you know, and I don't want to think about Joss Whedon when I'm watching them and enjoying them because of all of these other achievements and because of all, all these shows, um, like many other shows that aren't Joss Whedon, like most of the things are larger than the sum of their parts, you know? And so they should stand mm-hmm. on their own, but it's sometimes it's very difficult. You know, I, I don't, it's like, it takes me out of the movie. Now, if I see like Weinstein <laughs> come up like yeah. in front of it, you know, <laughs> can't watch Shakespeare in love anymore. You know? Well, and I, the thing that makes me the most upset is because it, it's been mostly women who've come out and said some things about him. And for someone who's created such a feminist show as Buffy the Vampire Slayer or even movie, right? I mean, you would think that he would have, you know, a little bit more decency to treat women a little better than it seems like he did. Well, the and, person um, that got this ball rolling was the guy from um, Justice League that played Cyborg mm-hmm. and, and said oh, that right. that Joss Whedon was horrible to work with. And he was very, very public about that, you know, and that he thought it was abusive. And then, you know, he kind of he got fired from uh, future portrayals of cyborgs. So as far as we know, and removed from scenes and things like that. And uh, essentially there was like an internal investigation. And finally things were like settled behind the scenes and Joss Whedon got removed from the nevers and other things started happening kind of behind the scenes, but then that wasn't enough and he didn't, he wanted more justice. So he got very, very public about it. And that's when, you know, charisma Carpenter, you know, eventually kind of stepped up to the plate and gave her account. And then we have people like the person that played Don, Michelle Trachtenberg, coming back and saying, hey, guess what? I was never allowed to be in the same room as Joss, you know, like alone. That's right. You know, know, creepy shit like that, you know, and then and I don't know know where that leads to, but that's a completely different area. And then we have all the, the stuff that. You know, other people have said that backs them up. Uh, Buffy herself, you know, Michelle Geller has said, you know, I stand by these people, although I may not have anything to say on my own. I'm standing up with Charisma, Charisma Carpenter, et cetera. So. And we can still hold out hope for some sort of like Buffy revival, right? I mean, he doesn't have to be a part of it. 
right? It seems like everybody mostly would be on board for something like that. I'm not sure what the show would be like without him as a showrunner, but I mean, well, it could I mean, happen. Technically, we will have a Buffy revival, the new the reboot, right? Which is already, I think, pretty much already filmed, I thought. Or at least cast uh, I didn't. Is else. it filming? I, I thought it was cast, I, yeah. But well, I, before the pandemic, it was that it was filming, I thought. Maybe they shut the whole thing down and set it to the side right now. But yeah, if there were, if, the, if ever there was a not a great time for a Buffy revival, this right now would not be it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I don't know. Well, either way, I mean, I'm still looking forward to seeing The Nevers. It seems like a really good show. And with HBO, I have some high hopes for it. So we will be looking out for that. I think it's coming out sometime this spring. Okay. Well, I think that just about wraps up March's Shooting the Flames. Um, as always, we would like to know what you think about these trailers and news items. And if you have some comments or questions, you can leave them on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Or you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or better yet, call our hotline at 972-666-7733. We did not get any voicemails this month, so please send us some for the future. And also, be like Lisa and head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers and join our family over there and get access to all of our bonus content and get early access to episodes. As long as there's not an Icemageddon in Texas, we've got you covered. That's right. And just like Freak2679, we're still looking for reviews over on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Head over there, leave us a five-star review and a snippet of why you like us, and we'll read it on the next Shooting the Flames. Speaking of what's coming next, we'll be bringing you Day of the Dead this month in our yearly tradition. Every March, we like to talk about the zombies. And so uh, I think about two years ago, we did Night of the Living Dead. And last year, we did Dawn of the Dead, both Dawn of the Deads. And uh, this year, we're doing Day of the Dead. And if we can get to it without any uh, infrastructure issues, Resident Evil. That's right. Bunker zombies aplenty. <laughs> Stay tuned for that, guys. And for Patreon this month, we're doing Pride and Prejudice and Zombies to complement the Pride and Prejudice Patreon episode that came out last month. That's right. I'm looking forward to you saying this one since I know you like that story so much. Well, Chris, until next week's episode, sweet, sweet dreams. brains. Did you say brains? Yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Resident Evil so much. Yep. I just like that little uh, red queen or whatever, that little bitchy girl. You're all going to die down here. <laughs> I feel like that girl. She's my spirit animal. <laughs> 